0: This is Content Content, a monthly podcast featuring technical communicators, content strategists, and web content professionals. I'm Ed Marsh. This is episode number 3, recorded April 11th, 2015. It's finally spring. Today's guest is the TechCom Geek Mom, Jersey's own Danielle Villegas. Danielle is a web publishing and content strategy consultant with an interest in e-learning and m-learning. She's also a blogging goddess. Like many in our field, Danielle came into technical communication as a second career. She earned her master's degree in professional and technical communications at the New Jersey Institute of Technology in 2012 and has been blogging ever since. Her blog at techcomgeekmom.com has a great rhythm to it. Techcomgeekmom.com combines her personal experience in the techcom world with an aggregation of the best content related news of the day. You can also find Danielle at Twitter, at TechComGeekMong, of course. She's very active with the STC Philly STC-Philly Metro chapter at stcpmc.org. This year, she's the publicity chair. Danielle is a fellow podcaster, hosting the chapter's first video podcast with Adrian Hunt. She's bolder than me. She went straight to video. You can find a link to the video in the show notes on edmarsh.com. At the recent Conduit Conference hosted by STC-PMC, which was awesome as usual, she moderated a debate between the STC vice presidential candidates. Danielle presents at STC chapter and national meetings as well. She's also covered events for Adobe and written for the STC's Intercom magazine. So, she's been a little busy in her three years at TechCom. How are you today, Danielle? A little tired, maybe?
1: Yeah, it's Saturday morning because we're recording this, so one so day usually to sleep in, and I got a little a few hours extra sleep after a busy week, so yeah, I got my cheerios <laughs> in me I'm good
0: nice, nice uh so why don't you uh, start off by telling us a little bit about your background? Um, we know that you trans- uh transition into techcom, so uh, why don't you tell us about your background and uh, how you decided on that career change?
1: oh well, let's see well how far back do you want to go um, <laughs> Uh, My career when I first got out of college was actually in consumer affairs and client relations. I was like one of those 800 operators for like Arm & Hammer baking soda and some pharmaceutical companies and things Mm. like that. So I got a big um, customer service background to say the least. Mm. Um, The way it started to transition into tech comm, although I didn't know it was tech comm at the time, uh, was there during the dot-com boom that in the late 90s, I was hired by a an e-learning company, a very early e-learning company. And I was originally hired as their client services manager, but when you're the second person that they've employed, you end up wearing more than one hat. <laughs> so, you know, I did help uh, the, the marketing and salesperson when she was out to lunch, and I would give the pitch, you know, on, on what we did. And so I learned a bit about that, and it eventually transitioned more into being the content manager for that company. Uh, and then they were acquired and I was doing more of the content management sort of a thing and, and business an- analyst type of a thing. And after a short, uh, well, maybe not so short time as being a stay-at-home mom after those, those jobs, um, one of the problems I had being a person who is in IT or tech and being a stay-at-home mom and trying to jump back into the field was that technology is just running past you so quickly, you can't necessarily keep up if you've dropped out for a while. Yeah. So you can imagine, in a sense, I, I had to start over, whether I liked it or not. Uh, so I had one job uh, that I was able to get after I tried to find something full-time, uh, I think it was originally a part-time job, and it ended up becoming a full-time job uh, once my son started back at school. Where it was um, an application specialist for a nonprofit, and what they did um, was that they—they're a big, huge philanthropy that gives out uh, healthcare grants and things like this, and they were taking their system from paper. To electronic to digital. Hmm. And somehow I'm always, you know, up until recently, I was always doing projects that took paper to digital. And that was, you know, the last big one that I had to do. And a lot of what they did had to do with databases. A lot of it had to do with uh, technical editing. Hmm. Um, A lot of the time it was using instructional design techniques to try to say, okay, if you're filling this out, how are you going to, if you ask the question a certain way and you want to elicit a specific response, this is how it's done, you know, and this is, and so I I learned some of those tricks and, and techniques. And, you know, there was some content strategy involved with, you know, well, this is, this is how we proceed. And this is the best way to go to make sure that we, we have a process of how people can apply and how the, the applications are reviewed and things like this. So I was part of the, one of the facilitators of that process and, when they started having layoffs uh, because of the economy tanking back in 2008, 2009, hmm. uh, I was a, a temporary. So even though I'd been there for several years, so of course the, the, the temps are always the last, you know, the, the first ones to go. I was the last one that was to go, fortunately. Oh, Nice. But it, I, I started thinking, well, I really like what I'm doing. So what do you call this stuff? You know, what do you call <laughs> these things? And, you know, I was also trying to say, okay, well, Here's an opportunity that maybe because I can I can apply for unemployment uh, here in the state of New Jersey, and I think it applies in other states, that, that you can get re-employment classes paid for by the hmm. state if you can show that the classes that you're going for are actually going to help you find work. And so I said, okay, let me, let me see if I can take advantage of that. So I started looking up, okay, what's technical editing, or where do I find a course of technical editing or instructional design things? And of all places on Facebook, I saw ads from New Jersey Institute of Technology and JIT that they had graduate certificate courses. And I said, "Hmm." and I looked at it and I was like, okay. You know, I I looked at the program. I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I think this will get me back on track. Hmm. So I, you know, took a chance. I went to the state and said, you know, I want to take these courses and, you know, do you think you can help out with this? And they said, because I actually could write a sentence, you know, very clearly and i could see exactly what was going on that's sure so here you know basically the first three there was it was a four course um program for the certificate it's all graduate school courses they paid for the first three you know nice. those four which was wow. nice and that's that's a big chunk of money so right. you know i i can tell the state of new jersey they got their money's worth <laughs> in the end um, one of the, and then I was able to get another, um, consulting job for about 18 months and that helped pay for the rest of it. Cause once you get a job, then you have to pay for it yourself. Of oh yeah. Course. That makes sense. But, um, the, the thing was, I really liked the courses I was taking. So the good thing was that all of those courses could transfer directly into the master's program. And that's how I ended up in the master's program and just hmm. finishing it out on my own. So by the time, uh, my contract ended with that job, uh, I just had a few more months to go. And I said, well, while I'm still looking for, you know, the next job, I can just finish out my my graduate degree. I think hmm. I had like one or two more courses and they were paid for. And that's kind of where where things really got started was uh, was doing that. And my blog, which you were kind enough to mention, was actually, is actually an outgrowth of a grad school project that oh, I had to do. Uh, okay. we, I did take a course in social media practices and theories. And one of our assignments was that we had to start a blog that created a community. And I wanted to create a tech comm community. Mm, so nice. I, I, I think I think it might have worked. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, three years later. So, you know, it's it's still going. And I've just kept it up and kept it up. And uh, the rest is history, basically. I think I got on the map because someone at Adobe at the time, uh, right right before I graduated, had noticed my blog and liked it and said, hey, do you want to do a webinar? And do you want to help us out with things? So, uh, and he's no longer with that company, but, uh, he kind of helped put me on the map and kind of helped me gain some of my early traction. And, and from there, it's just been going to conferences and, you know, introducing myself and just keep writing and keep promoting. And that's why we're talking now. <laughs>
0: yes, it is. Indeed. You're uh very prolific on Twitter, which I love. Um, you're also on content, content.info, which we will talk about later. Um, but so. You got into social media very early and very quickly it sounds like um, was that a natural for you?
1: Um, I think so. Uh, the way I got into social media was a friend of mine was much more into it and the only way to try to keep up with her because she lives far away was to follow her on through social media oh, nice and so it, it it did come naturally because as much as I'm a, a person who's I guess some people would say has been gifted with the gift of gab. I don't think of myself as the most prolific person in speaking half the time. I I, <laughs> I think with, and even with writing, I've never considered myself a writer, but the more I wrote, and I wrote more stream of mind and then would edit just to clean it up, mm. it became natural. So it, I, I just took to it like a fish to water. It just became very natural. And I can't imagine life without social media. I'm not necessarily glued to Facebook and on my phone all the time, but... A lot of the time, yes. <laughs> or any opportunity I can get, I definitely take advantage of it. I think it's because, uh, again, I have a lot of friends who live far away from where I am. Mm. And in the job that I have now, and even even during the time that I was unemployed, I'm at home by myself working. So I don't have that office environment where I'm talking ah, to people okay. and such. So, and then I, I, I kind of, I wouldn't say I live an isolated life, but I kind of do. So I don't get a chance to go out even socially and do things with other people other than Mm. my husband and my son and love them to death. But you can only do so much with your husband and son. (laughs) So to be able to keep up with the people, you know, both professionally and personally, social media has been the thing that really helps me connect to other people. And I think people forget that's the real, real thing about social media is to keep people connected. Uh, People complained about telephones, you know, years ago that, oh, you know everybody's going to be on the phone all the time. And, you know, what happened to face-to-face talking? Well, now people are saying, why aren't you on the phone? You know, so <laughs> you can't win. But I think it, it opens up so many more doors. We have relatives. Uh, my husband's originally from Ecuador. We have relatives in Ecuador. We have them in Spain. Um, I have relatives in, in Europe as well and across the United States, not here in New Jersey. And we can get on Skype. You know, mm. like you and I right now are on Skype and we can talk to them. And and just have regular conversations and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Right. We can see each other through video. Um and we've been doing this almost for twenty years now, you know, nice. taking advantage nice. of that kind of technology. Not 20, at least 15. And and that long. To, yeah, it <sighs> is. And I don't think people completely understand that. But I mean, I've been married to my husband for about sixteen, seventeen years now, and I don't remember a time where he wouldn't be trying to connect through some version of msn messenger or something <laughs> like that to talk to his dad because his his mom lives up here and his dad lives up down in ecuador mm. so they can they can see each other they can talk and you know and and his father being older can't travel very much and we don't go down to ecuador so this gives them a chance to to connect mm. so that's that's the big thing about social media yes it's there's multiple ways to connect but it's all about connecting with each other so it just expanded the 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 Range of people you can connect with, which I think is amazing, and I evidently I've done my best to try to take advantage of that
0: right. you're doing a fine job now um, where are you finding the most connection with people? Where are you finding the most engagement?
1: Um, it depends to be quite honest uh, mm. I would say I would say if someone was trying to connect the most first or connect with the most people, I would say twitter first um, it's easy. People think 140 characters is limiting. It really isn't. I've been famous when I do Twitter feeds at events that I just go dot, dot, dot and continue the thought (laughs) of the next next thing, but it makes you think and condense your thoughts. But I think it's much easier to connect on Twitter. There's a really huge audience, whereas Facebook would probably be second, and I think that's my second biggest group that I have, at least uh, with the professionals that I've tried to connect with. And that one is where you can expand a little bit more on your thoughts and add more pictures and, and more conversations. You can connect through Messenger and things like that to have more full instant message kind of conversations if needed. Um, I do. I am on LinkedIn. I I see that as strictly professional, and that's fine. And that's a good place too. And I do have a, a Google Plus, but I I haven't been that thrilled with Google Plus, but I still participate. Mm. But I would the first one I always say is Twitter because. That, that little invention of a hashtag makes such a difference. As soon as you start looking at a hashtag, you can find somebody who's who's talking about the same thing and get in on conversation very quickly.
0: Right, and you and I were to basically the two only... Tweeters at the STCPMC conference, which actually kind of surprised me.
1: Right. Well, I, you know, for, it, I started doing it, and then during the course of the day, I couldn't continue because of uh, the Wi-Fi, unfortunately, at yeah. that conference was a little bit spotty. So I was like, I don't have a, a, a personal hotspot, so it might be something I have to invest in, but. It's, it's something not, not just at the, the PMC one, but even at, uh, other, uh, conferences I've been to, I think people have, have nicknamed me fire fingers cause like, how'd you fire that off so fast? I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, I'm listening. I just keep going and keep going and keep going and. And, and get it out. So, and, and I make sure that I keep all those hashtags and, and things going so people can keep following the, the train of thought with it. So right. I, I enjoy doing it, but sometimes it's a little hard for me to keep up with how we mm. speak, how quickly with other people. Yeah, speak, I, I absolutely
0: agree. Um, so for tech comm and content strategy professionals, you definitely recommend that they, if they're not already on Twitter, then they should be a part of it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Twitter and Facebook at least. Um, and definitely LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is good because it does help start connecting you with other people. I mean, just even start with people who I, I, I'm kind of selective with who I let on my, my LinkedIn or who I connect mm. with. I don't just connect to anybody, uh, say with Facebook, Twitter, you can kind of be a little more loose with that. And even that I'm starting to get a little picky and choosy because right. I can only follow so many feet <laughs> after a while. But, um, I find that Twitter's probably the, that's the first one I jumped on. And again, using those hashtags of like hashtag techcom or hashtag content strategy or hashtag marcom, you know, whatever your, your thing happens to be can help you at least start targeting on who you actually want to connect to. Cause in some cases you can just be a lurker on, on, on Twitter. That's mm. part of the beauty of it. Is and, and that's what I've often said when you're trying to find, let's say, a, a new tech job is if you haven't been in, in social media, it's a good place to start because you can see who people are following, who's putting information out the most, and you can just follow. You don't necessarily have to have a conversation with them, but you can see what issues people are talking about and start to educate yourself on what those issues mm-hmm. are. And that was a big way that I started getting known in in, in M learning and mobile learning was because that was an interest of mine. I started figuring out who those, those key players were in the M learning world and started following them. And then once I felt comfortable, I started asking them questions and and seeing where else they would be doing things. Like if they were having a podcast with such and such group that I knew, oh, I should go and listen to them there or here. And that, that's part of what's kept me relatively current within the industry is just, keeping up on, on social media and see what people are talking about. Hmm. Um, one of the, the unfortunate deficits I found with being in grad school, and I think it would apply almost anywhere, is that when you're in grad school, you are taught the theory and they try to teach you things that are practical that they think you can bring out into the real world. But then when you get out in the real world, you realize, oh, there's a whole lot more out here than <laughs> I thought. And that was especially true with content strategy. When I started listening to presentations at things like Adobe Day or STC conferences, I think my, my, my brain almost exploded because Hmm. I understood all of it, but some of it was just very overwhelming. And, you know, the parts that weren't overwhelming was because I realized, oh, I've been doing this. I just didn't realize I was doing it and I didn't know what it was called or, you know, I didn't realize that this, this process is called X, Y, Z, you know, or something like that. So, uh, you know, there's things that I that have opened my eyes that I didn't think about, like one of my interests within content strategy is global strategy. I've always been interested in languages and, and different cultures and things like that. So I'd like to try to explore that sort of thing about the differences between, let's say, British English and American English. And how do we translate that for different people because uh, or even the difference between uh, the American English and, let's say, Indian English. They're both English. But because of cultural uh, differences, expressions, cliches, things like that, it's not the same language in many respects. Right. <laughs> so and, and certain cultural things or, or catchphrases are not going to be the same in either language. So it gets tricky and it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. And that's why I think... Uh, Val Swisher, who owns Content Rules, and she's, she's absolutely brilliant. She's one of my, my dear friends and mentors in this, has had the write articles about it, which is kind of fascinating. Oh, cool. So you know, I was like, wow, I actually must know something <laughs> about it, you know, from listening to her and other people after a long time. So I think that's why I've been able to keep up with it. And if people want, you know, people can't just sit in their, their cubbyhole writing about one thing. They have to see that technology, it's not about the technology, it's technology is the tool it's just things are moving so fast because of the technology that we have to keep up as best as we can and nobody's going to be able to keep up 100 percent. it's just impossible so no I, i agree so the more that you can do that the more you can engage on online like i said even as a lurker on twitter or facebook talking to people who are in the industry you at least can keep up at least enough to know, okay, I might not be doing that, but I know what it is. You know, For example, uh, you know, I've heard about DITA. I've never done DITA. I know what it is. I know how it's supposed to work, but I haven't had the opportunity to do it professionally. Hmm. But if given the opportunity, yeah, I can jump in and I can probably understand the concepts very quickly because I've attended enough conferences. And I know that's the buzzword. When I was at graduate school, I would have looked at you like, DITA, who's that? You know, that <laughs> sort of thing. So there's, there's things like that you have to, to keep in mind. But it's it's a huge you know it's a free easy tool and anybody can get a, a Twitter account anybody can get a Facebook account it's a matter right. of how you decide to use it and like I said I think Twitter I like the best because you could be a lurker and not be creepy about it you know so <laughs> you know you can just sit back and just read feeds and, and learn from it and if you want to jump in you can jump in you know and, it, and I've made a lot of great connections a lot of people who I've become good friends with and people who I consider mentors. I initially met on Twitter, and then later right. on I would say, "Hey, do you remember me? I, you know, I think uh, you're the first person you interviewed, uh, Sharon Burton. The way I met her was essentially mm. on Twitter, right? And found that not only we had tech common, common, and I was following her, but we also had knitting in common. And we met it at Adobe Day, and I said, "Hey, look, I brought my knitting," and she said, "Oh, a bunch of us are going to go on a a, a knitting jaunt and go to the local knitting stores. Do you want to come along with us?" Nice. And that's how I met Marjorie for Johnston. Hmm. Sarah O'Keefe and Val Swisher, and we all kind of went knitting because we're all knitting freaks together. And uh, you know, that's how you start making those personal connections. It wasn't right. even on techcom necessarily. So, right. you know, it's a it's a great way to to get the introduction started in many respects to people who may you may not have otherwise connected with.
0: Oh, absolutely, I agree. I so many people that I've met on uh especially techcom people I've met through Twitter initially, and he's like I've met them at conferences. I met you at a conference. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, we've been friends. It's like, we've been friends forever. Um, you know, Sharon, I met that way. Right. And, uh, Alan, uh, Bill Swell. I mean, there's just a list of Twitter people I have now is, um, it's actually pretty stunning that I've actually met these many, this many people, um, in person. It's been awesome. Uh, and one of the things I like about going to conferences, uh, yeah, I like guess, STC- exactly. Um, so you've had your Twitter account for what, I guess, about three years now,
1: Uh, that particular one, about three, four years, I had another one, which I kind of abandoned, which I had with my friends. So I had a little experience with with Twitter before I started Techcom Geek Mom, but, uh, you were talking about, uh, I think, I don't know if it was, uh, before we started our podcast, but we were talking about branding. And I realized that in, in trying to find a job after grad school, that, branding would probably be a good thing to do Mm. so that since i had already started the techcom geek mom i kind of started techcom geek mom maybe uh the twitter account probably just a couple months before the blog and then i said oh you know let me continue with that branding and of course like you said everybody knows me as techcom geek mom Mm. so you know branding is a big part of it so I, i i had another account before that but that was just social, you know. Where okay. so at least I had some experience in 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 using the tool, but right. I, I again I I could see how I could use it as something not only to make con- professional connections with people, but also use it as a marketing tool. That is, people started realizing, oh, Techcom Geek Mom, and she has a blog called Techcom Geek Mom. Right. There was a there was a little bit of a marketing ploy in 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 doing that in the the product with me. I'm the right. you know, the product that I was marketing.
0: That's great. So have you seen an evolution in your Twitter feed or your Twitter posts since um, um, since you started? I mean, I know, you know, my account Ed Marsh really started out as very personal and kind of kicking and screaming. It's kind of moving towards a more professional account, but it's like, I'm trying to find the, the, the media, the happy medium. And I don't know if I've gotten it yet.
1: Yeah. I think I'm still working on that too. I think I'm going the other way to be quite honest. Oh, I think mine was more meant to be professional. And since I've abandoned my other Twitter account, that one's become a little bit more personal, but I still try to maintain a certain level of professional professionalism with it. Um, mm. But there's things that are personal on it. For example, uh, I've been on this big weight loss journey in the last year, and I, you know, most people would, you know, professionally would not share their weight loss journey, their before and after pictures. And I decided, well, I'm going to share them because I know, you know, there's people I've connected with who are within the tech com community who've been a big support to me, and I've supported them as uh you know, not just as professional colleagues but as friends and I said, Well, I think they deserve to see, you know, what my progress is. And like I mm. said, I had found this one picture from a year ago I was horrified to see how big I had been. And oh, finally sometimes you need to see the the photographic proof to say, Oh yeah, you actually have right. lost some weight. So I wanted to share that with people. And that's very personal. So there's things like that, or if I've had a really bad day, I'll, you know, and I don't know where else to kind of vent, I'll I'll put it there, but I have to be careful not to offend anybody. But I I find (laughs) that with the, with those, I I try to find the balance too. It's like, where's too far or too much information? You do have to watch that, but I I find that I was, I was strictly professional and now I'm trying to to get a little bit more of myself. in, And I think there was always a little bit of myself in there all the time. And that's, mm-hmm. po- you know, and hopefully I, I'd, I'd like to think that's part of the reason people follow me is because I'm not just, um, a group of press releases of things. I try to put my inject my own personality in there and hopefully it's, it's right. like a Sally field, thing. you like me, you really like me. Kind of thing. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's, it's a hard balance and I don't think it, it's 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 ever something that you quite ever get perfectly, you know, because Mm. hopefully you as a person are changing as well. It's not just your blog that changes or your your social media feeds that change, but you are changing at all times, hopefully, as well, and learning as you go. So everything never quite in sync or perfectly in sync. If it was, it'd be pretty boring, to say the least.
0: Right, right. I know um, sometimes in the past I've gotten a little heat because I always posted, I have, I'm drinking a lot of different beers. Um, but I guess, you know, people know what they come and what they're getting when they come to my Twitter account, because I say, you know, my handle is, uh, you know, I, I write technical communication. You don't read it. So that's why I drink beer. So uh, right. I've gotten, I've gotten humorous, pe- pe- right. Know? And people have, have complimented me on it or retweeted it or mean um, even brought, it, I think brought it up in a job interview once. So, um, you know, I think being professional, like you said, is, is part of the deal, but I think you definitely can't just be constantly uh, just sending out links to things without any context, without any personality right. to it.
1: Right, and that's something that I, I try to, I, I give a presentation on how to blog, and, and some people are looking at it for personal reasons, but I try to say, well, even companies, it's, blogging is not about putting out press releases in a blog format. The idea of a blog, for example, is really to have a conversation with people. And maybe you're putting out your ideas, but that's why they have a comment section. And the comment section is the idea of trying to get some feedback and get a conversation going. If you're just putting facts out, then it's kind of boring. It's like, well, then why am I bothering? But if there's some sort of personality or something that you can connect with another person about then, then you can say, well, yes, I agree. Or I disagree. Or I have something to interject that would, you know, to further your point, you know, things like that. So, and I found that was, that's really the power of social media, even just with blogs. But like I said, even with a company, that's something that a lot of companies don't always, you know, hook into and some are, and some aren't. And uh, right now I'm taking a digital marketing course. And that was something that they started to emphasize. You can't just be putting press releases in. You know, you, mm. the, the purpose is to try to connect with your customers and try to learn from your customers so you can make your product better, and retain customer loyalty, and yada yada. You know, things like that. So I was like, oh, well, I know that part already. That's that's <laughs> the easy part to me. Right. So.
0: Right. And I think um, that's what a part of my appeal of Twitter is that it kind of humanizes companies if they do it correctly. And if they're responding to complaints or responding to people uh, tweeting at them, um, I think that is very important for companies these days. And I think you're right. I think a lot of um, I mean, all you got to do is search Twitter for any major company. You can see some are doing it right and some aren't doing it quite so well.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think some companies try to use Autobot type of technology mm. to answer things. And it doesn't work. And I, I've been on both sides of it. You know, I've I've hmm. been um, like I said, my my career started in customer service, answering eight hundred calls. I mean, one Ugh. company I had to work with to, to make it really pleasant was I had to answer questions about of all things. <laughs> so, you know, I wow. had a real pleasant job there, <laughs> but you know, there are certain techniques that they're all taught and, you know, having done it for several years, when I, when I'm the consumer calling into customer service, I know the script that they have to go off of. And right. sometimes it's strictly script and I don't get that personal touch and so sometimes i know exactly what nerve to hit to make them do what i mm. need them to oh, do nice. if i'm unhappy with something <laughs> so that's when you know when you've got the autobot versus the the person and i've made things happen just even with social media where i would i think a year ago i was unhappy with something with bullflex um because mm. we had ordered this big piece of machinery and they originally said oh 6 to 8 weeks at it or 6 to 12 weeks and here was week 12 and we saw no sign of it being shipped mm. and they said oh no that's 6 to 12 uh business weeks or or day, or something like 60 to 45 oh, to 60 and i was like that's not what you had on your website and so right. i think they and so i started complaining on on uh twitter and I think they saw. Oh, she's got like almost a thousand people following her. This might not be good. Let's see if we can call her and uh, smooth things over, you know. And so they did. And you know, we're we're happily have been enjoying our Bowflex for a year now. But you know, oh, nice. there there had been some things that had gone on. But it got a response, and it, you know, there was another per there was right. a person on the other side. So they, in the end, Bowflex did it right. They responded correctly because it was an actual person and not an Autobot, you know, watching the feeds and paying attention. So that that really does make a big difference. And and again, that's part of the power of social media, not only from a personal standpoint, but from a business standpoint.
0: Interesting. Okay, um, I want to talk to you next about uh, your website at techcomgeekmom.com. But okay. first, um, let me remind everyone about another site for content professionals called ContentContent.info. Uh, this is a place for content strategists, user experience designers, technical writers, and visual designers to come for all their daily news, including Techcom Geek Mom. Uh, Currently over 35 different content-related feeds, I think there's 37 total, uh, including STC chapters, amazing design and content strategy websites, uh, and blogs from thought leaders in all fields. Uh, When you hover over the link, a summary appears, so you can decide if that topic is right for you. Um, I actually found out just this week how to put the images on the page, so I'm in the middle of a design refresh, so uh, my apologies if things look a little bit different, but I think overall... um, it's going to be a much nicer site, and I'm, uh, I'm going to get rid of the brown color background, so I think it'll be a cleaner site, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll have some photos uh, so people can uh, have some little extra engagement. Um, if you're a content creator, send us your feed. There's a link on contentcontent.info where you can submit your site. Uh, the links on content content go right to your site, so you won't miss any of those hits or ad impressions. Uh, I created the site for the content community, so check it out content, content. Info. Um, com
1: geek mom approved. nice <laughs> it's a great site we can use great, all great the great endorsements Th-
0: thanks there thanks it's uh you know actually you're the one who reminded me on twitter not long ago that it's been a year since i created a site yeah at um, least and it's been great you know i mean once i figured out how to set it all up uh it's been a great resource i find myself clicking on it all the time um and now that's a year old. I think I need to refresh. So, uh, yeah,
1: like I said, it's like, hey,
0: I hit the right setting to get the photos in. So I'm excited. Uh, and spent a little bit longer last night than I wanted to <laughs> writing some code. <laughs> it,
1: but remember, it, it's a labor of love. You right. Know, and that's 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 how I've always looked at tech cop deepfond. Is it's it's the reason it's still going is because it's a labor of love, and I enjoy what mm. I do, and you enjoy what you do. Right. So, yeah took me a long time to realize that. And I think, I think the fact that we've gotten good responses to both our, our blogs it it shows. Right. So
0: so let's talk about your blog. Um, When you, when you started, um, was it your idea initially to have content curation on a site? I know you have a mix of uh, content curation and your own personal input and also some of your own personal blog, like your journey with uh, the content marketing class you're taking now.
1: Right. Uh, Not exactly. I think part of it was me initially showing, you know, sharing an article and saying, oh, I really like this because of X, Y, Z. Just because I think my mentality when I first started doing curation was to prove to people, potential employers, that I knew what I was talking about, and I knew what was going on in the industry, especially since if you look at the earlier Part of my blog, because I think there's, I think I've approached something like 900 plus blog posts over three years at this point. And, you know, a good chunk of it is actually curated content. But in the early days, I guess you could say, or the first year or so, a lot of it was about M learning. And again, I was trying to prove myself to be a, I wanted to be an instructional designer when I got out of, um, out of grad school. It didn't happen. But uh I was trying to prove to people, hey, I do understand this information, I know this is what's going on, this is why I like this article, and and, and try to kind of prove some some sense of that I get it, sort of a thing to employers. <laughs> and eventually it it morphed into, hey, I just think this is a cool article and I think and I find it helpful or I find it interesting, so maybe you do too. Um, and then I found some tools that are out there. I think there's a couple. Uh, the one I use is called Scoop It. You might see that right. you know mm-hmm. listed on there. I think there's another one called uh, paper.li. Right. Uh, there's there's a bunch of them that various people in tech comm use to kind of curate little magazines or, or, or online newsletters or whatever you want to call them, little sites. I, I do have a Scoop It account, so you can see everything that I've ever scooped. And I even scoop my own articles when I when I write them right. myself just to kind of keep things going. I think my Scoopit account has actually got more hits than my uh, my actual blog in some <laughs> cases that I actually got one of those little like gold awards. So if you look up um, on Scoop It under the, the category of communications, I'm considered one of the uh, gold stars, which was kind of cool. Oh, nice. But um, eventually it kind of became something to do partially because I was lazy. If I get really, really <laughs> busy – You know, and I, you know, writing a blog post that, that hopefully is halfway decent takes time. It takes, you know, just like anything else you write, it. you write a first draft, you write, you know, you go through it, you figure out a second draft, you go through a couple different drafts before you get what you really want. So that can be time consuming. And when I don't always have that time, but again, I'll see an article that I, I like, and it might be about a topic that I think is relevant. I'll throw it up there, add a little bit of commentary, like, oh, I really like this. I think you should read this. Um, you know, where so and so has made a great point, or I've been learning about this too, and you know, this is something you should be paying attention to. Then I'll I'll curate it through through um, scoop it, and part okay. of it part of the tool will actually copy it into your blog. So that kind of. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a nice, quick and dirty way of doing things. But I think that it lends itself because, you know, we are human. We, we are not writing machines. We can't, you know, this against <laughs> being that it's a labor of love. We don't get paid to do this. We do right. this out of the, you know, out of our, our hearts. So to keep up while we still have full-time jobs and outside responsibilities, it's hard to be writing full-time all the time. So for me, content curation Helps to balance that, so there's always content on there. Sometimes some of the biggest uh, things that have been posted that got the most hits, like on the, for the year or something, wasn't something that I wrote. You know, something hmm. like that. It could be like a really popular article, or there's some articles that I've I've curated that people come back to because now I've got like a little library now that I've got 900 plus articles on there. Uh, So for example, um, if one article was, I think the one that was written, I forget who wrote it specifically, but it was, uh, I think out of the Harvard business review about why certain, um, employers won't hire if people don't know proper grammar. That's mm. a big one that right. people come okay. back to. And that's, I, I think I posted that a year and a half ago and people still, <laughs> I still get hits on it, you know, when I look at my stats and things. So there's things like that that still come up. So it's, it's you know, all about the relevancy of your your content and trying to keep it as, as close to evergreen as you can. And, you know, mm. you can't always because, you know, time flies, things change, like I said, but it's, it's definitely helpful. So when you go back and say, oh, there's, you know, I think you know, probably through some kind of organic search in Google, people say, oh, there's an article on that, you know, they, they still hit it, you know, through, through my blog, you know, so sometimes I'm amazed they, they, they pick something out from like two years ago. Really? Okay. You know, works for me. So, but you know, at the same time you were mentioning the, the classes I've taken, um, you know, that's, that's part of the journey too, is, is right now I'm taking a class in digital marketing because when I went to the Intelligent Content Conference back in 2014, which was awesome, and I recommend people go to that if, they're, if hmm. they can, um, I, of the big buzz there was content marketing, and I was thinking, oh gosh, if, you know my, my current contract is going to be ending this year. What, if that's what's going to get me a job, then I can do the content part. I'm not so sure about the marketing part. The only marketing hmm. I've ever done was as an after effect of being in customer service and client services right. or marketing my own blog. So I, I had some basics down just by learning organically, but not any proper training or know what things were called or what proper procedures were considered in, in traditional marketing. So I felt it was worth the time and money to to work and find out what that was, and so I've almost done the course. And some things, yeah, I definitely had a handle on, and some things, you know, blew my brain apart. <laughs> so, you know, some things I knew about, but I didn't know the details. For example, SEO uh, and how to work with keywords and how searches work, and you know, it's not so right right now. The big thing, if you read the feeds, is that. Google and some of these other are not picking up on keywords anymore. That used to be the trick that everybody would use. So, aha, I know how to work with meta tags and, and that sort of thing. And that still is relevant, but now it's more, they're starting to look at the quality of the content and the relevancy of the content in relation to what people are actually searching. It's like, Oh good. That part I get too. you know, that part as a content strategist makes a lot more sense and come more easily to me than let's say a traditional marketer. So in that respect, I'm ahead, but how Mm. to get it out there Mm. is a different story. And that's the part I've been trying to learn how to do that. So, and the the unit on social media marketing, like I said, nailed that one. That was easy because that's what I've done with techcom geek bomb. That's how people know me is because I'm constantly marketing through social media. Hmm.
0: Okay. Um, so along those lines, are you using any uh, analytics on your sites? What kind of information are you getting and what are you seeing?
1: Yeah. Um, well, fortunately my, my blog is a WordPress blog. So, Mm -hmm. um, and it's the WordPress hosted one. I know with self-hosted ones, if you install Jetpack, you can get the same information. Um, and I take advantage of that Jetpack, um, plugin. Because it does provide site statistics, and I think WordPress is keeps changing And I like the old way they did it, but I can <laughs> see I I can see exactly every day. I'm I'm constantly looking at how many hits I have, um, you know, site visits versus how many visitors coming in. Um, it's it's not that different from something like Google Analytics. Maybe maybe a little more dumbed down that you can't say, oh, where did they come from? It's very specifically down to the the IP address or something <laughs> like this or or specific location, but. It will tell me, oh, you got about, you know, 15 hits from the U.S., maybe five from Canada, three from the U.K., and, you know, various parts of the the world. I mean, I've gotten hits from all over the place. It'll tell me exactly which articles that were hit that day that got, you know, this article got X many hits, this article got Y many hits, this, you know, the whole list of all the the articles that were accessed that day, if Mm -hmm. anybody clicked through um, the one thing I do, just because I, I, I don't want to say, I'm, I don't think I'm a perfectionist, but I, I'm very goal oriented. I guess mm-hmm. is what's a good way of putting that. I guess hmm, that's I'm good use way. That. Well, I, I'm definitely not a perfectionist, <laughs> but I think I, I, I'm always trying to push myself to do better and better. You know, as we all okay. should try. We also try to improve ourselves as we, we continue with our lives. And part of mine is always doing better on the blog. I don't want to. I don't want it to slip. I don't. Want, I want it to continue to grow, and the way I see that is with the number of hits. Whether they're uh, now, the one thing I don't get is a bounce rate. I don't know how many people are just there, just like, oops, nope, that's not what I wanted. Mm. That that's something you would get with Google Analytics, and I haven't used that with um, with my blog but i can still see how many and in some cases people might just hit that first page and just look on that first page and say yeah i saw exactly what i needed so i some some of those finer details like that i don't see but i can see how many from a year to year and day to day basis how many hits i get and if you know oh that was a bad article or mm. ooh, it shot up because i put that article on and so i know the first year i was doing this i had only my first year was only a 10 month year and i had something like 6,600, uh, hits now last year. And that was what in 2012. So in 2014, I had over 10,000. So I think there's some growth there. And I, I look at like the monthly rates and say, okay, you know, like this month I've got about 400 plus. Okay. And that's only in the first week. So yeah, that's that's going well. So I got to keep up the momentum, and I found that it does directly affect with how often you post and when, whether you curate too much mm. or not enough. Um, when I put per- personal things on, then things went up a little bit more. Oh, interesting. Um, again, if it was curated, it depended on what article was actually being curated. If it was a hot topic, then maybe it would go up a little bit. And sometimes, if it was like. Eh, then, you know, at least I got some hits, but it it didn't shoot things up. So part of it was the regularity of of posting. Last year, I yeah. had a really tough time because I was just really, really busy. Not that I'm not down now, but I, I didn't put, <laughs> I didn't dedicate myself as much as I should have in some instances. And the blog took a hit. So I think I could have gotten a lot more hits last year overall. And I can see the months like, okay, August, that's a bad month, you know, <laughs> compared to let's say uh, December when I started, you know, reapplying myself, you know, you, you can see, you know, the effort you put in actually directly reflect on your statistics. So there there's hmm. things just within word that you can use, but if you really wanted to get nitty gritty, then yeah, you could use something like Google analytics. I think it depends on what you want to get out of it. Hmm. Uh, for me, it's just keeping up a presence, nothing else, Okay. you know, and keeping that brand recognition. Now, right hopefully in a few months when my current contract ends uh my 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 goal or my dream is to possibly uh, break out and become an independent consultant so i'm going to be in a sense starting over and creating a hmm. a presence for the business that i want to oh, have okay. well, and part of that will be creating a blog and i may recycle some information from techcom geek mom which is hmm. perfectly okay but there there's got to be a strategy in doing that and i know at that point, because there'll be two points to that. It's not only brand recognition, but it'll be customer acquisition. Right now I'm really, you know, it's great that I have readers and it's reader acquisition, but it's not really getting customers to be doing business. Right. It's more of okay. an informational mm. thing. Whereas when I start this next blog and and this next website for the business that I'd like to start, then those things are gonna really matter. You know, who's who's just taking a look and saying, no, that's not it, where are they coming from? Um, are they looking at more than one page? Right now? I'm like, I'm just happy they're looking at any page. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm just happy with that. So it really is a matter of what your goals are with your blog or, or with your social media campaign. Are you getting the, the kind of statistics um, we talk, it's talked about in my digital marketing class. It's all about conversion. You know what what is what is your goal and are you cre- creating the circumstances that will create that that conversion to what you want that goal to be? So for me, it was just getting hits and getting recognition mm, on Techcom okay. Geek Mom, and it still is, you know, and I like sharing. And, and my goal was also to start the conversation about Techcom, and I think I've done that, and I'm continuing yes. to try to build on that. And would love more people to to come and comment and, and have discussions on there when I bring different mm. things up. But, you know, beyond that... If you're there great if you're not I'm not trying to get your business I'm just trying to get a conversation mm. going so okay. and, and I and I think in that respect the conversion is yes I've made you a, a participant that's my mm. uh, that's for for nice. techcom geek come on but for businesses it's a whole different ball game so
0: right right so have you as a result of those um, you know, the analytics seeing that this is a, a hot topic or this person want to set it. How has it affected the way that you post or what you post? Are you, are you at reacting to those kind of statistics saying, okay, this is a topic I should follow?
1: Sometimes, you know, okay. to be honest, it, it depends on what the topic is. Um, I know that uh, one of the topics I sometimes bring up, because I figure it's my blog, I can write whatever I want on here, right yeah, I don't right. have to stick to anything, is sometimes I will get... how do I want to phrase it? Semi-political. I I always like to think of myself as being somewhat diplomatic, but at the same time, it's very difficult to be neutral on certain topics. But one of the hot topics I like to talk about is women in STEM. And some people Mm. are kind of sensitive to that. And I remember when uh, Marissa, and, and also being a remote worker, I like being a remote worker. Even if I don't always have that interaction with people, I like being able to be doing my own thing on my own pace Hmm. you know at my own rate um at home so when marissa meyer what about a year ago or so kind of said okay no more remote workers and and i was thinking well wait a second part of the reason i do this is because as a mom it's easier for me to do this and do my mom duties with my family. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I've been the mom who commutes and tries to take care of the kids. And when there's an emergency, okay, I have to leave work. It's a little easier when you're a remote worker versus being somebody at the office. So Mm. that was a very hot topic. And so I kind of kept that one going for a little bit with the conversation and try to show Mm. things that support that. So there's things like that that can come up. Um, So you want to kind of just keep driving that point if, if that's your agenda and it's not like mm. i'm trying to push something but i i, I feel strongly about it and at least advocate for it so if there's things that i i want to advocate and i can show articles or curate articles that support that or even my show uh, an opposing point of view and say well i don't know that i agree with this what do you think that opens up the conversation so mm. it, it really depends on the topic versus um I'm just trying to think apple watch that's got to be coming and going you know how do people feel Mm. about it you know that's that's something that will be very mainstream and nobody's going to be thinking about like the ooh factor of it you know in about a year or so from now you know versus or even like think about ipads ipads have been out since about 2010 and so the initial big thing in m learning was like ooh, everybody can use ipads and now it's it's so mainstream (laughs) you know yes we're still integrating ipads in and there's still studies that are going on about the the benefits or no, the disadvantages of using an iPad. Those are still going on, but it's not so ooh, this is hot anymore. You know, things go through waves, so you kind of just try to ride some of those waves as best as you can, and just you know make a point or advocate for certain things, or 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 just try to put your voice in and, and where your standpoint is. And that's kind of what helps draw people because again that goes back to the idea of this is what your personality is you're not towing a company line or anything like that it's what you think deep inside
0: right um so are are you thinking with your new excursion um, of using Google Analytics? I've uh, I have it on both Edmarsh.com and Content Content, and it's actually kind of crazy the amount of information that you can get. And I can see you know uh, referrals from TechCom Geek Mom, or I definitely see it from Scoop dot it. Um, right. and it's oh here you know, and it's interesting to see the amount of engagement, especially since I started the podcast. Um, you know, I have actually podcast stats now, but on top of that, I have Google Analytics and seeing, um, you know, I've seen actually seen a jump in my about page being hit now because I started the podcast more. Um, so are you thinking about using Google Analytics, or do you have experience with Google Analytics?
1: Um, well, I've just been studying about it. so okay. you know, It's something that I really hadn't been that deep on, but that was just a, a course module that I just finished. Uh, about a week ago or so, and was even talking with the instructor about it to to get a better handle on how I start looking at those things. But with the the new project, you know, once I start that new new business, hopefully, um, that would definitely be something because again, I think it has to do with what my agenda is. Um, When I was in the class, even uh, we had people who were marketers who worked for big, huge global companies who were participating in the class, who, who were mm. saying, okay, how do I use this? How do I leverage this um, tool, you know, best for what my department or what my particular product is for? And the, Google Analytics is good because it's free. And that's why yeah. most people use it. And it does yield a lot of information, but sometimes it doesn't yield everything that you want. So he was mentioning a couple others that are paid products. And I think one, the first one that pops into my head is one, I think that's called Omniture. Okay, yeah. another one. Um, I don't, know, you know, being that I'm starting from, you know, zero marketing budget, you know, basically, mm. I'll probably start with, you know, Google Analytics like anybody else. But I think it will be important for me to look at, uh, like I said, a bounce rate, understanding who's just looking because they want to see what this is versus mm. really trying to engage. And part of when I do decide to create this whole website, uh, and it applies for any content strategy, really, is I'm going to have to really think about. What do people want to see? You know, there's one thing for me wanting to say, this is what I want you to know about me. But why would anybody come to me versus somebody else? So I have to really mm. think about mm. how I'm going to write that content to make it unique, make it reflect me, and make it reflect the kind of things that I people will want to come to me. So other tools that they were talking about was just even using Google Trends, again, another free product. See what keywords are coming up that actually reflect on me. So like, for instance, I think I did look up the term technical communications at one point and saw, oh, you know, people are starting to understand what technical communications is. And that's been on the rise for a couple right. of years. Same with the top terminology of content marketing or content strategy. So those are going to be some keywords. I'm going to have to make sure that I emphasize in, you know, whatever my literature or my content is going to be, if that's what I want to reflect as part of the services that I can provide. So that's gotta be the the slippery soap. And and I think just using a WordPress uh, thing will give me some of that, but Google analytics will give me more details. And there's a lot of details you can get out of Google analytics, not just, uh, you know, you can see behaviors, like you said, click through how long they were actually on a page, Uh, You know, a lot of little nitty-gritty details that, you know, an average person might not think, oh, that's really important. But for marketers, and since I'll be marketing my own company, that's going to be really, really important. And that applies to blogs. If people are having business blogs, they want to see who's actually reading them. Where are they coming from? How are they directed here? And how long are they staying? How many of these do they actually read? You know, you start getting into that those deeper details for sure. So I'm sure I'll be using those. It's just I'm not at that point yet.
0: So, <laughs> right. A little
1: work okay. In progress,
0: you know. Always a work in progress. Always. Always making progress. Um. So you have, I think, now it's a what a nine part series on your experience with your content marketing yeah, class. Yeah, I'm in the process
1: Can... of writing part ten. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: Can you tell us about going, I mean, I know you haven't been out of school that long, but going back to school again, what's that been like for you?
1: Well, I, I kind of did it a little differently because all of the courses I've taken are online. Mm. So, um, and part of the reason for that was, you know, where I live in New Jersey, I'm in a very good area for colleges and community colleges. I live in the town right next to Princeton University. Okay. I'm within a half an hour, 20 minutes, half hour from Rutgers University. And near the college of new college of new jersey uh trenton state college to the us old timers <laughs> um there's a number of you know small community colleges nearby uh Rider university is also very close by so there was a a good group of them but even for me um to go to njit it's about an hour plus away just to take okay. one or two courses and i was like oh you know how am i going to do this work take care of my family and do something so the and, and having worked in a, an early e-learning company, you know, almost now it's almost 20 years ago, um, I, I knew the technology was out there. So it was a matter of seeing if anybody had caught up with that technology mm-hmm. all these years later and seeing what kind of courses might be available online. Now, I really lucked out with the master's program at NJIT because of the fact that that it was 100% online. So whether I wanted to go up to Newark or not, I didn't have to worry about it because I could just mm. do it. Um, now, the Rutgers class I'm taking now, you can take it in person or you can take it online. I still chose to do it online. Mm. The two experiences were very different or happened mm. very different. Um, and I, I've compared my, my story with other people who've taken some online courses. My brother-in-law got one of his degrees at the University, University of Te- uh, Phoenix so it turns out that they used the same lms or learning management system to do it Um, and we were comparing notes and we kind of came to the same conclusions one of the things that i liked with um, my njit experience was that they used an lms called Moodle, which is an open source Mm. uh, thing and fortunately one of the professors was kind enough to let me have Playing rights on on Moodle, oh, so nice. I could learn it. If I if mm. I you know ever got a job or something, I could say, oh yeah, I know Moodle. So if I need to play on it and remember how to do it, it's it's cool. Um, the way that that's set up is that you have your syllabus, and every week or a couple weeks, they'll give you, okay, here's a synopsis of what you're going to be talking about. Here are your readings, and then they would give you an assignment and some due dates. And in some cases, you may have to collaborate with some of your classmates. So you may have to go offline and go through Skype or through instant messages or emails mm. or whatever you have to do to get that project done. So there was uh, or there's discussion threads and you were required. You could not just skip out on, on not putting something on the discussion threads because you would actually mm. get a grade if, or you would not get a grade if you did not participate in those discussion threads. Mm. So you ended up making relationships with your classmates which was awesome. And there's people Mm. who to this day, I'm, I'm very close friends with and Mm. some of them I've been fortunate enough to meet in person and some, you know, I haven't, but I'm still very close with them and and become friends with them. And there's still even networking resources professionally as well as personally. So there was that nice connection uh, with that. And I liked the structure of it. It was very structured and I'm Aspie. So structure is good. And we like routine, you know. So you know there was still there was still the high pressure of getting a lot of reading done and having the deadlines and things like that that you would have for any other class for grad school. But there was a structure, and you knew what to expect, and you had the availability of your classmates and your professor to talk to. The course I'm taking now, um, the way they teach it is it's either you take a one week intensive course, which is like hmm. basically uh, a different topic uh from morning to afternoon. So the ten modules that I'm doing right now uh were between, you know, over five days basically. You know, oh, wow. people take a week off from work and they go to this big hmm. big thing. And at the end you take a multiple choice test and you have a um a capstone that you have to do. So I'm not at the capstone part. I have to do that within the next two weeks to get that done but as far as connecting with your fellow students unless you're in the in-person class you don't really make any connections you're just sitting there watching self you're basically self-directed which is not a problem because even with the the njit course i was self-directed because i still had to make sure that i was sitting down and making sure that i was getting the work done in that respect i was being self-directed and making making the time to do it but in this case the, each module has maybe about ten to twelve videos that you just watch, and and hear the lecture, just like if you were going to a workshop. And okay. then you had maybe a five question quiz, which is optional. But then you have this big thing at the end, and you really, and there's a an o- virtual office hour once a week in which people can go and ask questions of the, the professor for one particular module a week. You know, just you don't get them every single week. You get mm. one professor okay. on a specific topic for that one time. So if you miss out on it, you miss out on it, you might you might get some answers or you can just skip them. But even when you go to them, you really don't connect that much with the other students. So you don't really talk to the rest of them. They're just there to ask a question to maybe listening on yours. So you don't make hmm. that same connection. And I hmm. think that that doesn't work as well. So it's they've been drastically different. Experiences, hmm. whereas I can say the people I went to school with at NGIT for my master's degree, I'm connected on LinkedIn. I'm connected on social media, you know, all, all sorts of social media. If I need to get in contact with them and say, hey, you know, I remember you were really good at visual design stuff, and I'm stuck on something. Can you help me? I know hmm. exactly who to go to. Or I, hmm. I had a, there was like three of us who were really into e-learning and m-learning. So, but they had a little more experience. So if I had a question on how to use such and such. I know I can contact one of those two people easily. You know, they even said, you know, call me. I had uh, another person who was actually from uh, when I did my certificate. She only did the certificate. She didn't complete the uh, master's who contacted me the other day. And I'm very good friends with her. And she said, okay. Uh, and I knew what courses she had taken because she had taken the same courses as I had. And, I, and she's like, okay, I'm looking for a job right now. And there's a job offer for or there's a job opportunity for this certain thing, but I'm not sure if I can pick up this, this software tool, and that software tool, but the soft skills I've got, it's just the hardware stuff. I'm like, yeah, you can figure out the hardware stuff. Cause I knew her, I knew what she was mm. capable of doing and I knew what skills she had. So I said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll even lend you my Linda account so you can, you know, brush up on it if you have to, but no, you can figure this out. And that's because we had that, that connection. The second course not so much i think one person actually reached out to me because in one of those virtual hours one of the professors actually asked well not only you know what's your name but where do you live and what do you do well nobody had ever done that Hmm. and so one woman who was in my class um said oh well you know she she reached out to me and um well we were still in the virtual office hour in the chat just you know for a private instant message and said Mm Um, you know, I just live in like one or two towns north of you. I'd love to get together with you if I can. Mm. And hopefully we're trying to get together tomorrow so we can try to work on our projects and kind of bounce some ideas mm. off of each other. But that's the only person who I've mm. connected with. And, and it just happened to be because you reached out to me uh, at that moment. She's like, "Oh, you know, what you have to say is interesting and I'm doing this, you know, let, let's compare notes. And I'm like, okay, sure. You know, what, <laughs> what what the heck? But out of that experience, the only other people I've really connected with Are the instructors themselves you know and i've made sure that i connected with them because a lot of them were the program is great if you get the content the content of the the program itself is is mind-blowingly great Hmm. but uh and they're definitely industry leaders and and you know people who go to like south by southwest and you know give like you know presentations there and you know, they lecture mm. all over the country and things like this, so you know that they know their stuff, and to be part of their class and be able to talk with them one-on-one and then being happy to talk to you is great, Um, but there's also something about the kinship of being fellow students that you miss out right. on that, so... Right. You know, it, it really depends on what works for you. Um, you know, some people still feel like classrooms are what's great for them. For me, I am the kind of person who, even with these these videos, I'll sit and I'm like, okay, let me catch that again, you know, and I'll rewind and replay it and rewind and oh. replay it. And you can't do that in the middle of a classroom. Mm. So, you know, that's why mm. sometimes I feel when I go to these um, presentations, like uh, you know, the conferences that I'm tweeting, it's like note taking, and I'm like, oh, I know right. I missed a point. I missed a point, and I'm trying to get. It's like regular note taking for me, but I can't rewind, so it makes it a little <laughs> hard in person. So you know, it really depends on on your personality. And and as an older person, I was freaked out. You know, it'd been 20 years mm-hmm. since I'd, be, you know, gotten out of undergrad school, and here I was going into graduate school and, you know, a technology school no less. And fortunately, it was a continuing education program that was through there. So the, the people who were in there kind of knew, okay, most of the people coming in here are not going to be kids coming right out of undergrad. They're going to be adults who are trying to get back into school. So that, that kind of eased it a little bit. And most programs, I think, along the lines of what we do are along, you know, that are, are understanding of that. You know, they're not going to be all kids who are coming right out, you know, in their early 20s. They're going to be people in their 30s, their 40s or 50s who are rediscovering things like I was. So they're a little bit more understanding. But I think for me personally, what was it was terrifying. You know, I'm not going to (laughs) lie in any way. I think even jumping back in, I was like, what the heck was I thinking? (laughs) What am I doing? Um, But you do eventually get into a rhythm with it. And I think after after grad school, I was actually like, I missed this. I I don't have a paper to do. What what am I going to do with myself? And even now I'm like, oh, why did I take a course? I don't have time for this right now. But I guarantee you, as soon as I'm done, I'm going to be like, okay, what's the next thing I can go and learn? You know, that, that's just me. That's my personality. I mean, my, my pipe dream is that someday I'll hit the lottery and I can go and get my PhD, you know, mm, and, and wow. I know that they have a great program at Texas tech and I know several people who've taken the the coursework for that. So I do want to be Dr. Danielle someday and, and do hmm. something. And I had to, I think it was actually at the last STC summit, I actually got to talk to one of the professors there and, Said, so, you know, I've thought about it, but there's a couple factors that hold me back. And one of them was that I was afraid of statistical work because I mm. stink with that. And that was one of the things that I had to get through with uh, my master's program. And I hated that one particular course. That was like the one mm. course that actually made me cry. And, uh, He's like, oh, were the professors this was, Oh, yeah, they kind of get hung up on that. We'll help you focus. And I said, the other thing is I don't know what I would do my thesis on. You know, there's so many Mm. things. And some of the things that I would want to do are going to be passe by the time I get to them. Like, I think I wanted to do studies on on e-learning with iPads. There's a whole college that does nothing but that. They do studies on this. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to that college. But, you know, that's going to be cliche in the end by the time I eventually get to it. He's like... No, because we can help you focus on other things that can, ha- you know, we'll, we'll help you get through that and, and figure out what's going to be the best thesis topic for you. We can, we can work you through that. So that kind of took the, the load off my shoulders. So I'm much more open to the idea again, if I hit hmm. the lottery right? But, and, and actually find time, but I think I have to put my own son through college first at this <laughs> point. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's, You should never stop learning is my thing. I think as an adult learner, there's times that, like I said, it's terrifying because you're like, okay, I don't remember how to do this and I have to get into that groove again in that mindset. But once you get started, you're going to find that being a kid, you don't always have the maturity to do what you need to do to get the job done, to do well in your class. So I went from Mm, being, you know, a kid who got, um, I'm trying to think what was my GPA when I was in undergrad, like it was like 2.3 or something really (laughs) pathetic in undergrad and most of my higher grades were in my major, so the things I didn't do too well in weren't there, whereas when you're in grad Mm. school, you're concentrating on something that you really like and I ended up with with a 4.0 and I'm like, I'm not a 4.0 person, Mm. how did I get that? That can't be right. So, but I, but in looking back, I put the time in, I put the effort in. And, and as an adult now, I have the right mindset to do that. Whereas 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, I didn't have that right mindset. I wanted to party too. So, you know, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain benefit. I don't know what that's like. No, not at (laughs) all. So, you know. There's a certain amount of your hopeful, hopeful maturity that you have now that can actually <laughs> I'm working on that. Yeah, I'm still working on it, too. But there's a certain amount of that maturity or just life experience that you know what you need to do that actually helps being an adult learner and and like i said maybe at first it's a little terrifying but once you get into the groove it's it's not so bad and and it's actually kind of to me it's exciting you know and you know there's mm. little things you kind of get caught up on like okay do you really need that format for doing the bibliography and things like that and you know, there's some tech that, you know, when I was in college, to, computers were barely out. You know, they were, they mm, were, we were just using, right. we were still had dot matrix printers, you know, <laughs> things like this. <laughs> yes. Whereas now you can do PDFs and you can, you can have Photoshop if you need things and yeah. and all sorts of tools at your disposal to to give things bling that we, I, I absolutely didn't have yeah, 25 right. years ago. So mm. You know, yes, I just revealed my age. So, <laughs> But, um, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing that that can lend itself well being an adult learner. You know, and, and I think mm. when you connect with your professor and say, you know, it's been a while since I've done this, they're a little bit more sympathetic, at least at first. And then, one, you know, once you're in a couple of classes and they're like, OK, now you don't have an excuse anymore. You know, you, you should be in the group by now.
0: Mm, so, but okay. I,
1: I definitely recommend it. And my my thing is it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be graduate school. It, if you feel like you have something that you're just not good at, go on to lynda.com or go look at a YouTube video or go to your local community college and, and find something. Like I know people who, who think I'm this whiz at Photoshop. I'm not. I consider myself maybe an intermediate <laughs> level person. <laughs> But, and I did do stuff in graduate school, but a lot of what I already knew, I had learned on my own well before graduate school, just by trial and error. And my husband taught me a couple little tricks here and there and, you know, things like that. Um, I learned HTML at my local community college, not in some Mm. graduate school thing. It was for that dot com job at the e-learning company. I said, you know, I think it would help. If I learned just the basics, because we would be given a template and I I'd, I'd need to tweak them and I couldn't always understand what I was looking at. So once I got that class, and it was a very basic HTML 101 class, and I've never gone beyond that, but it's taken me super far just having yeah. that, you know, so... It doesn't have to cost a fortune. It doesn't have to be mm. a degree. I, I'm the kind of person who likes to have some kind of credential at the end, like a certificate or at least okay. school credit. For me, that's my personal thing. But you don't have to if you just want to take it for the sake of having it and having proof. Yeah, I went to Mercer County Community College and took a course in HTML. There's something on my record at least there hmm. that says, yeah, she took it.
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah, right.
1: you know, there's little things like that. That's for me personally. but you can take those courses anywhere. And if you, you know, again, if you want to keep up with the industry, it's always good to try to pick up something new uh, going back to what you said earlier. If people haven't jumped on the social media bandwagon, it's time to do it. And that's right. That's free. And that's trial and error and just, mm. just jumping in and, and figuring it out how to do it. And there's plenty of YouTube videos on how to participate, I'm sure. And how to, how to use that <laughs> and how to leverage that or, you know, one of the nice things about social media is all about crowdsourcing. So you could ask people, "How do I do this?" Right. Yes, and and they'll tell you. You know, and you'll you'll hear from people who've been doing it a long time, and I've I've benefited from that. I'm sure you have, and yeah. you know, many many times. So there's there's always some opportunity. So you know, I'm I'm one of those people who I'm constantly learning and wanting to learn and and do more and learn more to to make myself better and 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 become somebody that an employer really wants to say like oh I need to have her
0: right so. yeah right building value actually yeah um I went on vacation with nothing but my tablet as in on a Caribbean island. Of course, the hotel had Wi-Fi. And I, had, I watched six videos on YouTube on how to podcast using Adobe Audition. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was great production value. The guy obviously knew what he was talking about. And now I've transitioned from Audacity where I was doing a lot of manual editing to Aud- Audition, which is doing a lot of it for me. Right. Um, so it's, you know, I mean, the learning is out there if you want it. And YouTube is just an incredible, incredible resource, as, a, as I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think that's kind of the point that we need to make is that people think, oh, you know, I've been doing the same thing for so long. How do I even break into that? I don't have much money to do this. It doesn't take much money, at least to get it. started. You know, if you want right. to dedicate yourself, like I I made a, a big point to dedicate myself to getting a master's degree because I felt for me personally, that's what I needed to do. For this digital marketing thing, it's the same thing. If I wanted to consider myself a creditable person to apply for content marketing jobs, a lot of the job descriptions will say, I, you know, five years as a marketer. Well, I don't have five years as a marketer. Mm. And all the rest of the job description might be content strategy based. And I'm like, well, I'm solid on that. But if I have this this little course that I have in mm. the the course they're calling it as a mini MBA it's really only a one credit or three credit course it's not even like a full or partial mm. certificate or anything but even so you know they'll say oh mini MBA in digital marketing so she's taken an intensive course on marketing she's got content strategy she could be a contender you know that sort of mm. thing so for right. me that's why I like having a credential but you don't need to I could have taken you know some courses somewhere but for me I felt I needed that for the job market of where I live. That might not be the case where you live or, or what, what market you're trying to work in.
0: Right, right. So you're taking classes, You're busiest tech comp geek mom. You've got a family. You've got a job. How, how are you managing to juggle all this stuff and stay current?
1: Uh, to be honest, I don't. <laughs> my, my house looks like a bomb went off. So you know, my laundry's piled up. You know, something's got to give. It's it's a matter of figuring out your priorities. Sometimes uh, tech comic geek mom suffers. That's why the curating mm. is kind of nice because it kind of okay. takes some of the pressure off. Um, and like I said, last year I had some things going on where you know, let's say my family needed more attention than my blog, and it, it reflected in my blog so it you it, it don't it's it's like why what people often say about women who you know work full-time and have a family it's the same thing you know something's going to always give and it might be that maybe my laundry isn't done or the dishes aren't yeah. done or oops i forgot your permission slip for your school <laughs> trip or something and i try to keep on top of it as best as i can and Again, thanks to, you know, modern technology and digital things, I can put everything on my phone and, you know, keep mm. track of things. And I can call my husband or text him and say, don't forget X, Y, Z, you know, a lot, lot more easily than, let's say, if it had been 20 <laughs> like, years ago or something like that. But, you know, things do go, you know, do things do slip. And I I'm I, I always feel part of the reason I'm always learning is because I feel like I'm not there yet. To be quite honest, mm. I, I feel like I'm playing catch up constantly. Yeah. I go to some of these these uh, conferences and talk to people who've been doing this a lot longer than me and feel like, oh, my God, I am so stupid. How am I ever going to keep up with these people? And so when when people say, oh, no, you, you have together, I'm like, OK, you got me. I got you guys fooled. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. You know, fake you, it you can't, you, make it. you can't, yeah, you can't you fake it till you make it. But at the same time, you know, you just keep up as best as you can. And that's what right. I do. I'm sure right. there's things I'm well behind. Like I, I am taking this marketing course and I am working in content strategy, but that doesn't mean I'm, would be the most effective content marketer. Part of it would be me getting an opportunity to do that and really dig into it and, and mm. participating in that right. more actively. Um, you know, my, my thing is I always wanted to be a Jack of all trades. And even with my, my degrees, Mm. I always took a little bit of this. I didn't concentrate in one thing. I didn't concentrate solely on content strategy or solely on e-learning. I took some corporate communications. I took some social media. I took some visual design, a little bit of everything to kind Mm. of spread myself around as much as possible and make me as multifunctional person, (laughs) or as, as Mm. you said, give me as many values or as many facets as possible. And in some cases that's worked to my advantage and sometimes it hasn't. Some people do want that specialization. Uh I like to think it as being a multi specialist instead. Uh, mm. and, and doing many things. But there's always like I said at the, the top of this conversation, there's always something. Nobody can keep on top of everything at every last second. I mean, probably just during this conversation, there's probably been three things in technology that have changed that we haven't even become right. aware of yet. Right. And we probably won't for another six to 12 months. And then even in the corporate world, it'll probably be another two years before they act on it. So, you know, it's 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 constantly just keep up as best as you can. As long as you're still running and you haven't collapsed, you're, you're in good shape. So there's things right. that definitely suffer, you know, along the way. And I, I'm not going to say that I am the one who can do it all because I definitely can't. But I just do as best as I can, you know, as much as, okay. as anybody else. So, you know, if anyone wants to come over and do my dishes or do my laundry, I would love <laughs> it, or you know, vacuum my floors, I would welcome their help.
0: <laughs> so. As long as they stop by my house on the way too. Okay. We're, just the, you know, we're just up the turnpike.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're at different exits. But you know, <laughs> you can visit both of us. <laughs>
0: right. But you know, as someone who's been a technical communicator for over 20 years now, I'm still catching up. I'm still trying to learn. Uh, you know, and I tried to generalize too. You know, I learned HTML very early on, thankfully, but I, you know, kept myself valuable by learning Photoshop or doing all these different stuff. So I think I agree with you. Always keep learning. Um, it's it's. I think you would agree. It's probably best for your brand.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And also surround yourself with people who are as smart or smarter than you and might right. have those skills. There's right. times that uh, my husband's an e-learning developer or he, he does web development. Mm-hmm. And so there's even times with my job, There's I, I'd be working on something now. I'm not a JavaScript developer by any stretch of the imagination, but I can go into some JavaScript and I know how to tweak things if I need mm-hmm. to. But there was something I had about a week or two ago and I'm looking at it and looking at it and saying, I can't figure out why this isn't working and I'm frustrated and I can't mm-hmm. figure it out. And he's like, I do JavaScript in my sleep. Let me take a look at right. it. Boom. Figured it was like one little slash mark that was throwing all the code off. And I'm like, what? You got to be kidding me. But, you know, here I was in tears and trying to figure out what was going on. And he figured it out in like two seconds. So it's good to have people who know that stuff and connect yourself. So it's not just connecting only with people who are in technical communications, but reaching out to developers. Because we all kind of, roam around the same area just in Mm -hmm. different ways so it it helps to know I think that's what they always say about you know good leaders they may not always be the smartest people but if they surround themselves with the right people they'll get good answers and get good solutions and I think that's true right
0: right yeah I um redesigning content content was like oh just a couple of lines of CSS and this is just going to change some colors and this and the other thing and next thing I know everything's broken yeah uh, (laughs) yeah
1: So that's when you start asking your developer friends and going on YouTube and saying what the heck is going on and crowdsourcing and and doing that.
0: Yeah, Stack Overflow should be good, but I think, uh, I think I've got some tweaking in my future this weekend. <laughs> I saw so, a um, building to do for mine, <laughs> so... Well, we, um, we're getting a kitchen redesign, so we're cleaning uh, out our kitchen this week. Um, so I'm going to be a little busy this
1: afternoon. Yeah, we, we did that about a year ago, and it took my, my husband... Uh, what's unusual about my husband, he's, he's fantastic because he's an e-learning developer, so he's, he's a whiz-bang at computer stuff, but he's, his degree is actually mechanical engineering. So, and he's also a person who I'd like to say is very frugal with his dollar. So (laughs) he has the the skills where he actually did our whole kitchen about a year ago. And the only thing he didn't do was the counters because they were too heavy obviously okay. and, and mm. some of that if you're cutting stone you want somebody to do it very 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 exactly and he's right. He, they might be three times exactly he might be two times exactly so it's better if they do it <laughs> and uh but he he was leveling floors he was he Gorgeous. did all the plumbing he did all the duct work for the air vents you know everything and it took like three months but you know the end result mm. was big but it took a lot of we, we did it very strategically we did one side and then we did the other side and you know so there's a lot of content strategy going on there too so <laughs> this stuff, this stuff does not leave our house. You know, it's just – that's the way we function around here. So, you know, there's always some sort of a strategy. and There's always some technical component. And, oh, nice. You know, that's what happens when two geeks marry each other, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's how it works. Yes. My poor son yes. is, you know, the victim, and he's he's becoming one too. So, you know. Nice. He, Good for him. Yeah.
0: Good for him. Yeah, we are a, a digital family as well. We share Evernote, We share lots of stuff online. Yeah. And actually, we don't even – we don't even use the phone. Everything's through text. Exactly. Google so Hangouts. It's crazy now. Oh, exactly. Um, in, my, yeah. in
1: my house, we, we have a split level, and I'll be oh. instant messaging my husband right downstairs, you know, on Skype or something. Or mm. even before this call, my son was, he's he's very much into trying to find a gaming computer. Right? And we're like, well, you oh. know, that's kind of expensive. And he's instant messaging me. Well, Mom, I found a price for this much. And Mom, I found a price for this much. And I'm like, honey, I'm about to get on a call. I can't have, you know, all these, these instant messages coming. Okay. So, you know, we're we're... We kind of do it a little overboard. Just within being in the same house, we'll be instant, instant messaging and texting each other. It's a little crazy sometimes.
0: <laughs>
1: we're, we're definitely a geek family.
0: Uh, hey, at least you're communicating. Yeah, right?
1: that's what I always say. That's exactly what I say.
0: Um, I guess let's um, kind of start to wrap up. Sure. Why don't you tell me, I know you're a, uh, now a federal podcaster mm-hmm. with the STC PMC. Can you tell us about your, uh, your first episode and what your plans are coming up?
1: Uh, sure. Well, my first episode that we had on there, and it was, it was a little bit of an experiment to see what would happen because what I, uh, we, I did an interview with Adrienne Hunt, who was, uh, ju- she's, uh, I guess the STC elect, uh, vice president won't be uh, mm. officialized until the summit this summer, but, um, she's a member of the Philadelphia chapter. And of course I am too, and we know each other pretty well. And I asked her, Hey, you know, just, just try to. Think of different ideas of of things we can put on onto the STC PMC blog. You know, would you be game for like a, a podcast interview? She's like, oh, sure. No problem. And I said, well, would you prefer audio or would you prefer video? And she's like, oh, well, I don't care. And I'm like, well, all right. And so here I was looking like a slob. And so I threw, you know, combed my hair, threw a sweater on and said, okay, let's try video. Now, I, I will admit that I think uh, YouTube kind of goofed up or I, I need a new computer for uploading because... Everything worked on my, I, I kind of did a combination of, um, we, we did it through Skype. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a tool that I used that I think I spent a few dollars on uh, that was highly recommended that, you know, recorded both sides so you could have both people next to each other and record the whole oh, thing. Okay. And I think uh, that I threw that video into iMovie on my iPad so I could add some bumpers and some music and things like that. So it was very low tech compared to, let's say, Adobe <laughs> Premiere or, or something like that, which is something I, you know, again, when I have a little more time, not that I have much, maybe over maybe the summer, I'll try to learn Adobe Premiere because I would really like to have some better film editing skills myself. I, right. I, I enjoy doing that stuff. And on my iPad and on my computer, it looked great. But when it uploaded to YouTube, the synchronization got messed up. So Mm. I was like, oh, well, you can see this, but you'll see my mouth moving. But then you'll hear Adrian's voice kind of thing that happened. But, you know, it is what it is. And what I would tell people is like, well, we try and really in the end listen to what's being said. It's not so much about the video quality other than the, the the content really is what's the conversation itself, much like this conversation. So if you listen to the conversation, she's got some great things going on. And I think it you know, the impression I got was despite that that little video glitch, it was fairly well rece- received. And uh, you know, I, I like to think that maybe our little video helped Adrian get voted in. <laughs> you Yay. know, I like to think that. I don't know if that's true, but I don't think it hurt anything and I think it also helped the STC kind of make a mark on, on, on their site and, and be noticed. Not that they weren't a leading group to begin with because they are, but it it was like one little thing I could think of that would kind of help put us on the map even more and help hmm. hopefully bring in some, you know, again, it's a marketing tool. You help bring in some more memberships, Like, Oh, this is what they're about. This is, you know, who the kind of people that are there are. And uh, you were there for when somebody else uh, had recorded the, the, Conference that was uh, the thing that you were mentioning earlier about um, re-hosting the right. conversation at the conference between the two vice presidential presidential candidates. They posted on the STC notebook, but I made sure to to also Ooh. copy it into the, the the PMC blog as well. Nice. Again, because it's it's a marketing tool. People can see right. what we're talking about, what's going on in our, our particular chapter. It's, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it goes back to the idea blogs are marketing tools of some sorts to get conversations going and get people interested. So, I, I would like to be doing more. I think I have to maybe fine tune my tools a little bit more. <laughs> you know, that, that's part of the learning process. But I enjoyed right. it. You know, I enjoyed doing podcasts and I like doing the video. And I think there's, there's room I, to do more. I know with uh, not necessarily with STC, but I plan to be doing more videos. I have a friend who's a, an aspiring TV chef. And so she's oh, nice. trying to come up with some videos and we made one last year. And then um, I had the raw footage and was we were going to create it in one direction. And then she needed something to go to a producer. So I had to whip up something completely different using the footage we have. And she was really happy with it. It got a lot of hits on YouTube. So she's coming back. She lives in Los Angeles. She's coming back to New Jersey. We filmed in my kitchen, my, my newly <laughs> renovated kitchen. <laughs> And she, she does the whole, and she's like, okay, I want to do two more videos this summer when I come and visit mm. and, and I'm going to make this and this and get ready. I'm like, okay, when are you coming? <laughs> so I can prepare. So, you know, it doesn't have to be tech com stuff that you can use right. to learn, you know, for podcasting or making videos and things like that. But I, I like it. It's fun. So I'm hoping at least for the, the, the PMC group, I, I would like to get other people. Uh, at some point, I would like to try to do it for tech comm geek mom, you mm. know, and, mm. and you're welcome to, to come on. We'll, we'll uh, be happy to reciprocate and we can have a awesome. different conversation at some point. Sign me up. That sounds cool. So, you know, I I've always, it's always about trying to figure out something new and, and expanding from that. But co- I think podcasting is good because it takes things to another level. It's not just a picture and some words. You see right. people's reactions. You see people's uh uh, emotions and how they move, and then you get even a deeper sense of their personality. So it's I, right. I, I kind of like that feature of it.
0: Mm. I've also done a uh, video for a friend who is a chef. Uh, he was going to go freelance and then decided that wasn't the way to go. But same thing. We did uh, you know two cameras actually used two digital SLRs recorded a video, and that's how I learned Premiere, which was uh, right. awesome. Unfortunately, we didn't really get any traction, but you know. Yeah. The idea was that was a start, and then we never kind of went after that. I'm thinking of
1: going to camera with my friend's uh, video for the summer because I I found my old flip camera. (laughs) It still works. So I can still transfer things over because I played with it a little bit. So it still works. But the whole video that I took before was all of my iPhone. So it just kind of proves that you can Amazing. you can do things with simple tools you got right in front of you. You know, that, that's one of the, the beauties of living in the age that we live in with the technology we have. We couldn't even do something like that 10, 15 years ago. Right. So, you know, right. I, I just like running with it. You know, when, when I have my hands on something like that, just go and run and play, mm, you know, right. figure it out. And you never know when it's going to translate into something you can do professionally.
0: Right. Absolutely. You never know. Yep. All right. Um, I know we both have busy days ahead of us. <laughs> um, it looks like it's going to be a nice day here in Jersey. Yay. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a, a great amount of fun. i I was very excited to have you on, uh, and line you up and now we're, we're finally did it. So Yay. thank you for, again for coming oh, on. Oh, You're
1: very welcome. Thanks for having me. I have really enjoyed it.
0: Why don't you uh, tell us all the places that we can find you online?
1: Okay. Well, uh, probably the easiest way to find me is to do a Bing or Google search on Mm. TechComGeekMom, and you'll find me. Uh, That's my big brand, so you can usually find me most easily that way. Um, As you mentioned, TechComGeekMom.com. There's at TechComGeekMom on on Twitter. Uh, Through both of those, you can easily find um, me on Facebook, you can, because uh, there's always a link someplace, you know, okay. pointing to another one. So I'm definitely right. on LinkedIn. Uh, I think the name I used on LinkedIn is Danielle M, as in Marie Villegas, because there's mm. multiple Danielle Villegas's, so that, that middle. <laughs> and you, you might see in things that I have, that middle initial is crucial, so you know which one you got. <laughs> uh, so if you see the blonde chick with glasses, you know you got the right one. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm on Google+. Uh, but I don't think it's under a techcom geek mom. I think I have an account with that, but I usually don't go under that one. So there's, mm. there's different ones, but I mean, if you can find me on, on Twitter or Facebook or, or just even on techcom geek com, I think I've got connections to where my other, my other connect things are. I even have a connection to my e-portfolio that points to all my social media. So hmm, nice, you know, okay. there's there's things like that. So you, there there's almost too much information about me <laughs> out there, but you can find something. But I know I've done Google searches on it, so you okay. can easily find me.
0: And your Scoop It is on uh, your homepage too, Techcom Home um,
1: No, but if you go on to Scoop It, um it, I think the oh what's it called? I want to say it's called N Learning and it's on N Learning Technical Communications and other things and other te- I forget the exact name, but you can you hmm. can find me there. No, okay. if you go into TechCom Geek Mom, you, you'll find an article that's there and you'll see Scoop It. You can find it there. But I know it's in that, if you look up communications, you'll find one uh, okay. and you'll see my picture is attached as the author. So you should be able to find it there too. Awesome. All
0: right, Danielle. uh, Thank you so much again. It's been a great time. I can't wait to post this, hopefully uh, within the next couple of weeks. So um, once again, I'm Ed Marsh. You can find me at Ed Marsh on Twitter, and you can find all things Ed Marsh at edmarsh.com, including the content content podcast. So thanks again, Danielle. Thanks to you. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.